good morning, everyone, and happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. Amen and amen. It is good to be here today to join you on this this Sunday to celebrate um, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And whether you're here in person, whether you're online, or whether you're visiting with us for the first time, we are so glad to see you. Um, a couple of years ago, I was visiting with a friend of mine who happens to be um, agnostic, and we would talk and visit at Starbucks, and it was the week before Easter, and, and he said, well, he goes, what are you going to preach this week? And he'd always ask that, and, and he goes, oh yeah, I remember, it's Easter. And then he said this, he goes, it, that's kind of like the Super Bowl for you Christians, isn't it? And, and I thought for a second, I said, you know, it's actually better. And, um, and so it really is the day that we get to celebrate, and really we can celebrate the resurrection year-round, but it, it truly is better than the Super Bowl. I want to just take a minute this morning just to remind you of a couple of things. Um, we're still collecting our Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which goes for North American missions. We're just a, a little bit over halfway. We're almost at the halfway point of our goal, so there's still room to give. Our goal is $3,500, and if you want to make a, a gift toward that this morning, that would be great. Just be sure and designate that it's for the Easter offering. Also, another way that we can be a blessing is we are collecting clothes for teenage boys and girls to send to Casa Cielo um, Children's Home in Honduras. So we'll be collecting those through the month of April. So if you haven't had a chance to bring those, you can just drop them off at the church and then we're going to get those shipped out as soon as we can, um, first part of May. But you know, really this morning is, is about celebrating the resurrection. And I wanted to read um, from Paul's letter to the Philippians this morning in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7, listen to what Paul says. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So my prayer for you this morning that you would come to know the Lord Jesus and the power of His resurrection resurrection. It's not only the power that raises Jesus from the dead, it's the power that gives life, and it's the power that energizes our faith to live each and every day, just like the song that we just sang. We just join me as we take a moment to pray and thank the Lord for His presence with us and ask Him to, to speak to us as we worship today. God, we are thankful for this opportunity to gather together on this Resurrection Sunday to celebrate with glad hearts that we have a risen Savior. That we're not following after a dead religion, but we have a living Lord, a living Master. And we come in His name. And we thank You for Your presence among us by Your Holy Spirit. We thank You that on this day of days, You've chosen for us to be here in this place at this time. And we ask You, God, to speak to our hearts through the songs through the varied styles of, of our worship this morning, help us to, to see the glory of the resurrection, the might of your power and the depth of your 
love. I pray for folks that that don't know you yet, that don't have a relationship, that today would be a day of, of salvation. God, I thank you that you're still in the business of transforming lives, offering hope to the hopeless, help to the needy, comfort to those that are mourning and those who are afflicted, and rescue from those who are in danger. And so, God, help us this morning to turn our hearts toward you, to turn our eyes toward the Lord Jesus, and that we would worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. Lord, help us to hear you speak as we sing and as we listen, that all would be for the glory of your name. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning? was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, They saw that the stone, which was very large, 
had been rolled away. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay.
he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And God raised the Lord, and he will also raise up by us by his power. your glory, God.
Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I believe in the sun I believe in the risen one I believe I overcome By the power of His blood
you happen to have a Bible with you, you can turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we'll be in the 15th chapter in just a minute. And while you're turning there, I just want to say thanks to all of our our musicians. Um, we have such a, a talented group of, of folks that are not only um, servants of the Lord, but also extremely flexible in what they, they do and how they do things. And I'm so... Um, I'm so privileged to to be a part of ministering with them, and it's a blessing each and every week as they they share together in in song and with instrument. And what a wonderful message we have to proclaim that we can have life because there is one who conquered both death and hell, and his name is Jesus. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about what I really think is the most important message. The most important message. But I want to start by telling you, growing up, and I used to be a TV junkie. I'm not really so much anymore. But I would watch television, and I couldn't wait for my favorite television program to come on or my favorite or the best you know game to come on. On Saturday, it was baseball or college football. On Sunday, it was usually um, football. And then every now and then, it would happen. We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you this important message. Exit my favorite show, What I Wanted to Watch. Enter a serious-faced newsman who I could care less about who would pass on an important message about a tragedy that had occurred, a weather alert we needed to know about, or something else that I probably couldn't remember. But the point was, there was something important that people needed to know, and there was a situation serious enough that they needed to interrupt regular activity to let everyone know. Now, I probably don't have to tell you, but I will anyway. Today is Easter Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That he died and he rose again to bring salvation to the world. And that is the most important message in all the world. Amen? Many years ago, a man named Paul wrote a letter to a growing church in the town of Corinth. Now, Corinth was a wealthy port city. It was one of the largest cities in Greece. In fact, Paul had been there earlier and started the church. And after a while, he wrote them a letter to remind them of things that they needed to not forget. There were some important things, information that he needed to communicate, that they needed to hear. And part of that was the most important message. And that simply is this. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to secure God's free gift of salvation. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, we find Paul telling the church these important words. I'm going to start in verse number 1 and read down through verse 11. You can follow along in your Bible. or The words will be there on the screen. Paul writes, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, 
and that he appeared to Cephas, and then the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. You see, this message is still important today. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to secure God's free gift of salvation. Will you join me as we pray, as we study this together? God, we ask that you would help us to to understand your word today. We thank you that you give us your, your, your word, the Bible. We thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've prepared our hearts through the songs that we've we've listened to, that we've sang together, that we do truly believe that because you live, we can face tomorrow, and that we can say, Alleluia, praise to you because you are risen today, that we can say with certainty that you have risen indeed, that we can know with a victorious shout that there is no grave that will hold us down if we are a follower of Jesus. And that we can say, Amen, Amen, so be it. Because you live, we can live. And now in these moments, we ask you to bring to life your living word in our hearts. That it would be a seed that would be planted on good soil and it would sprout and grow to life. Thank you that you meet us when we come together to study your word. And we welcome you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and we pray in his name. Amen. So verses 3 and 4 of what we read really will give us the outline of what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me just read them again. Paul says, I delivered to you as of first importance, priority message, what I also received. That Christ died for our sins. That's the first point. According with the scriptures. That he was buried. That's point number two. That he was raised on the third day. That's point number three in accordance with the scriptures. Those are the three things that make up this most important message. And the first thing we see there is that Jesus died for our sin. Paul wrote that, and it was just a simple statement of fact. He was just recording a historical event, that there was a man named Jesus who was 100% God, 100% man, and he died on a cross for sin. It really did happen. And he died on that cross because it was God's plan. It wasn't a plan that God developed after the fact. It was a a plan that God had set into motion before the foundation of the world. We read about that in Revelation. Because God knows everything, even before it happens. And he knew before Adam and Eve were placed in that garden that they would sin. And they sinned in the garden. Fellowship was broken, but God had a plan. You see, God is is holy. And that means that He is pure and He's perfect. And He cannot be in the presence of sin. In fact, sin is something that separates us from God. 
And God takes all sin seriously, even the little ones. Even the ones we think don't matter and that are insignificant. And the Bible tells us very clearly the wages of sin, what we deserve for our sin is death. So with this broken relationship, what in the world could God possibly do to bring reconciliation? Someone would have to die. A perfect, sinless sacrifice would have to be made. And Paul records these words that Jesus died. He had to die to deal with our sin. See, God had this plan, a master plan, to redeem the world, to rescue you and I, fallen sinners. And what did God do? God Himself came in the person of Jesus to bring salvation. It's a story, if you read the Bible, that runs from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. The prophets, like Isaiah, spoke about this Redeemer that would come. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For God caused Christ, who himself knew nothing of sin, actually to be sin for our sake, so that in Christ we might be made good with the goodness of God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, He bore the sin of all the world. Think about the weight of that for just a moment. From the very beginning of time to the very end of time, the weight, the burden of sin, Jesus bore on the cross. And it was His plan that the world would be saved through Jesus. That's why when we read these words from John 3.16, it's so amazing to think that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Many times people ask, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And we could answer, if we were honest, He had to die for me. And He had to die for you. Because it was our sin that made the cross necessary. You see, Paul was very careful. Christ died for our sin. That Jesus, the one who is righteous and pure and perfect, died for unrighteous sinners like you and me. Dirty, rotten scoundrels, if you want to look at it that way. That even on our very best days, we still don't even come close to measuring up. And Jesus died in our place for our sin. And there was simply no other way. And when He died on the cross, He he bore the punishment that we deserved. The death that we deserved, He died in our place so we could live. You see, everyone sins. I don't know why we're so caught up in hiding the fact that we're sinners because no one can escape it. Nobody can hide the fact that they're sinners and nobody can do anything to save themselves. There's no sweeping it under the rug. There's no being a do-gooder. There's no thing that we can do. We're drowning in sin and we need somebody to rescue us. And listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life 
as a ransom for many. Jesus paid the ransom, the debt of our sin. He stood in our place and suffered the penalty for our sin. And as Isaiah said, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So on that cross, Jesus counted all our sin against the account of Jesus. And he punished sin with all of his anger. And by that sacrifice, we receive forgiveness. On Good Friday, Jesus took his last breath on the cross. John and the women were there. They were eyewitnesses. Roman soldiers were there that pierced his side and water and blood spilled out. Jesus cried out with a loud cry. It was finished. He breathed his last breath. And the debt of our sin was paid for in full. After he died... Joseph, a disciple of Jesus, took his body. They wrapped him in a clean linen cloth and they placed him in a new tomb cut out of the rock. And the second thing Paul reminds us of is that Jesus was buried. We find out in the Gospels that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. A tomb belonging to the man known as Joseph of Arimathea, a secret follower of Jesus. They had to, to hasten to bury him before nightfall on Friday because the Sabbath was coming. The women made quick preparations and they had plans to return on that Sunday morning to finish preparing his body for burial. You see, they buried him in a tomb because there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. Why else would you bury someone if they weren't dead? The disciples, the women were there. They saw it. The Roman soldiers, men who were professional killers, the men who knew exactly what death looked like, verified he was dead. And they buried him in that tomb that was borrowed because Jesus wouldn't need it for very long. You see, we look at that tomb that Jesus was buried there, but it's also a reminder of what Jesus told his disciples that he would be buried and after three days he would rise again, that Jesus would come to life again. So a borrowed tomb was really all that he needed because it would only be a temporary stay because soon after, on the third day, the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life would rise again. And Jesus rising from that tomb was so important because all of his claims would depend on this truth. Would he remain in the tomb or would he rise again? Would he be proved to be who he said he was or would he be just another man, a false prophet? And women and the disciples, they didn't understand what was going on. But the tomb wasn't the end of the story. They thought Friday was their worst day ever. But Sunday was coming soon, and it was about to be their best day ever. See, God still had work left to do. Jesus would rise again. One man wrote it this way, Resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. 
and the worst thing is the next to the last thing. And the last thing is the best. You see, the story goes on. Jesus died. He was buried. But you see, Paul tells us, and we need to remember, that Jesus was raised on the third day. That's why that greeting that you see on the banners, He is risen, He is risen indeed, was a practice of the early church because that was the triumphant moment of the Easter story. Sin and death had been defeated. Jesus had risen. The tomb was empty. And the angel pronounces these words, He is not here. He is risen. Death was defeated. Jesus was raised to life. Never to die again. And no matter what science may try to prove or try to tell us, only God can raise the dead. 2 Corinthians 1.9 tells us that. And we know for certain it was fact Jesus was dead, Jesus was buried, but Sunday came and the dawn broke. And as Paul and his, Peter in his sermon in Acts records, God raised him up loosing him from the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Ain't no grave going to hold our Jesus down. Amen? And when Jesus rose up from the dead, it proved his identity. All his claims were proved to be true. It confirmed that he was, in fact, the Son of God. You can read that in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. It displayed his power to forgive sins. Remember those confrontations he had when Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven, and the religious leaders would get all burned up because they were saying, who is this guy that says he can forgive sins? It showed he had power over death. You can see Romans chapter 6, verse 9, and it proclaimed victory over God's enemies. There's so many places we could go to in the New Testament to read about this victory. You can read about it in, 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 most, in every one of Paul's letters in Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians. But in this moment, we find assurance of victory because the resurrection changes everything. I encourage you this afternoon to read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 and find out that there is great power and hope and assurance in the fact that we serve a risen Savior. Hope is certain. We're no longer slaves to sin. The testimonies that we speak are true. The preaching that goes forth in the name of Jesus is powerful. Our faith has meaning because it's faith in a person who is alive, who's the reigning Lord in His name, is Jesus. Another person wrote these words, the Gospels do not explain the resurrection. And you can read that and find it true. It doesn't give us an instruction of how God did it. We just know that He did. But it says, in fact, the resurrections explain the Gospel. Belief in the resurrection is not an add-on to the Christian faith. Belief in the resurrection is the Christian faith faith. That's why when Paul wrote those words to the Thessalonians, we believe Jesus died and rose again. And believing that simple truth in your heart, that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose up from the dead, by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can receive the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. You see, salvation is, It's a gift 
from God's love and grace. I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. No matter how hard we try, salvation is not something you can earn. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. In fact, Jesus classified us this way. We're helpless and hopeless, harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Nobody can save themselves. No one can be saved by something they've done. Even our best efforts on our best day fall woefully short of what it takes to achieve salvation. You see, we can't earn it, but salvation must be received. Think about this for just a second. What makes a gift a gift? In my estimation, it takes two people... It takes a giver. That's the person who offers the gift. And it takes a receiver, and that's the person who gets the gift. We can look at a simple example of a gift tag, and on that there is marked two. And I love those at Christmas because growing up it said two rusty and always would count to make sure that I had as many as my brother and my mom cleverly made sure that the number was exact. But I always looked at the from, and it said from mom and dad, or even a couple would say from Santa Claus. But what makes a gift is there is someone that it's to and someone that it's from. And the person who receives the gift, what do they have to do? They have to simply unwrap it carefully if you're a paper saver, quickly and rashly if you just want to shred it and get to the bottom of things, but you have to open it to receive the gift. Salvation. It's the free gift of God to anyone who will receive it. You can read that in Romans 6.23. But we always must remember, while it's free to us, it cost God His one and only Son. You see, because God loved the world, Jesus died on that cross for our sin. And Ephesians 2.8 tells us, by God's grace we are saved through faith. And so we receive this free gift of salvation by believing this simple truth that Paul reminded the Corinthians of. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. That when we recognize who Jesus is, that He is Lord and Savior of all things, when we recognize what He's done, what I just mentioned, and when we follow the simple path that Paul gave the Romans in Romans 10, verse 9, confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Because Jesus, early on in His ministry, said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And that's what makes the Resurrection Sunday so beautiful. Anyone who believes in the One who was raised from the dead the Lord Jesus has eternal life and will one day be raised with Him. Listen to Acts 4.12. This is from the contemporary English version. Only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. There's a myriad of religions around the world that promote good works and good deeds and do a lot of good things and offer help. But there's only one that stands 
clearly above the rest. There's only one that has a resurrected Savior. There's only one that offers abundant life. There's only one that offers a living, breathing relationship. And on Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the most wonderful truth in all of history. Life's most important message. Now, if you have a phone, you probably see very often amber alerts, blue alerts, silver alerts, and there may even be more. And they immediately grab your attention because there's a loud screeching noise from your phone. And the, but they want to inform us someone's lost. Someone is in danger and rescue is needed. But let me tell you today, louder than the screeching fire, sound of any iPhone. There are people that are calling out, maybe not with words, but by their actions. There's so many that are lost and in danger, and they need rescue. And some don't even know what they need to be rescued from. But there's good news. God provided the solution. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, to secure God's free gift of salvation. And the question that we have as we close is simply this. Do you believe? Do you believe? Have you received God's free gift of salvation? The good news is you can do it today. It's so Simple, but so powerful and life-changing. It's simply turning from your old life and turning to new life. It's saying, Jesus, I put my trust in you and I put my past behind me. That's repentance. It's saying, God, forgive me and I love you and knowing that you're forgiven and loved. It's taking what Jesus paid for on our behalf. And you can do that today. But a second question, maybe you've already made that decision. Maybe you've already, you could say, I've received that free gift. But here's the, the second question. Are you living in the power of the resurrection? Paul's words I read earlier. I want to know him. And in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering. See, resurrection means a new beginning awaits. Why not start today? Jesus died on the cross and rose again to secure God's free gift of salvation and to give us new life. Free, abundant, meaningful, all because of the one who rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that we can join together on a day like this, a beautiful Sunday morning in April, and celebrate the best news anybody could ever share. The powerful truth that Jesus died and rose again, and because he died and rose again, we can have life and one day rise with him. Thank you, Lord, 
on this Resurrection Sunday that we can focus on what you have done for us, that we can hear your voice speaking to us. And now, in this moment, before we leave this place or before someone signs off, I pray that we would contemplate this question. Do I believe? Have I received a free gift? And if so, am I walking in the power of the resurrection, living the resurrected life? Thank you, God, for the simple truth of the gospel. Speak to our hearts as we sing. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand in just a second and and sing together. It's an opportunity for us to to respond to um, the Lord's message that he has spoken to us. And that that really begins when you walk in the door and and should hopefully continue on after you leave as God speaks to you, as he brings those scriptures to your mind, the words that we've, we've spoken, the songs that we've sung. And I do ask that if God is speaking to you this morning, that you would respond. Maybe it's that response to receive salvation for the first time, or maybe it's just a commitment to, to walk anew in the freshness of life that He gives you. Or maybe it's just to lay a burden down this morning, to lay it at the feet of Jesus, and to put on His yoke, which is easy, to take up His burden, which is light, and to find comfort and rest in Him. We join in standing together with us in singing and responding to the Lord as He speaks. pleasure to celebrate the resurrection with you this morning. Um, thanks again to the, the worship team um, for leading us. Um, they've worked very hard to bring us this music. And, and I think if you, you know, no matter what style um, of music you, you enjoy or prefer, I think you walked away finding something that would appeal um, to you. And I appreciate that, just going through the varying styles, and, but all the same familiar story of the glory of the resurrection and that he is risen and we have life in him. We're going to sing a song as we leave today. Um, When the music starts, you're free to go, but just the Lord bless you. And I hope as you spend time with your family this afternoon or with friends that you'll take time to reflect on what Jesus has done on our behalf and the fact that we can serve a risen Savior today and tomorrow. So let's sing and then you're dismissed.